I either get placed in this category of a victim of human trafficking or someone who is in pornography because she chose to be there. And I think there's like this middle ground of, okay, when, when someone's selling sex for a living, what does their life look like that says like, this looks like a good option for me? Or how is she feeling about herself and how she relates to the world and, and some of those messages? Because to just say that I chose to be there can be a little misleading, even though, yes, I did make the decision, but where were those decisions derived from? And so I wanted to give people an opportunity to get into what it looks like from a child to be exposed to such messages and to have those really shape your belief systems about who you are and what the world expects of you to then going into relationships that perpetuated the same type of things. It's really hard to get out of a situation like that. So, of course, you know, going into an industry where this is where maybe you felt like you were somebody, even though they were taking more from you, would seem like a good option. So I wanted people to look at that a little bit more than just, oh, she's choosing to be there. Let's either just throw our money at her or just judge her. Welcome to Authors of Impact. I'm your host, Jazz Rawlinson, best-selling author, book coach and all-round lover of impactful stories. Join with me as we go behind the memoir with some of the world's most influential authors, revealing the secrets and strategies that have helped each writer go from big idea to bestseller. I'll also share with you the techniques and tips that I use as a book coach and author that can help you better navigate the writing and publishing process for yourself. If you're ready to become an author of impact, this is the place for you. Hi there, fellow changemaker, and welcome back to Authors of Impact. Today on the show, we have Deanna Lynn. Deanna Lynn is a global speaker on the topic of living a truly rewarding life after rescue from the effects of working in the sex industry. Upon exiting the industry, she found Refuge for Women, a place she could heal specifically from the trauma of exploitation and the wounds that made selling sex look like a viable option in her teenage years. After graduating from their program in 2012, After graduating from their program in 2012, she earned a master's degree from Asbury Theological Seminary and authored two books, detailing each piece of her journey. In her own words, Deanna loves learning and will likely be a student for life. She and her husband, Matt, live in Kentucky and live with their beautiful twin baby girls and their dog, Buddy, who looks like a real-life giant Muppet. I'm so excited to introduce you to Deanna today. As you will have realized by now, This conversation will obviously center around Deanna's experience of being in and exiting the sex industry. We do go into a little bit of detail about her early years and the emotional abuse that she suffered from her mother. But for the most part, we talk about her life after leaving the industry and her two books, Purchased and Integrated. I've intentionally kept our conversations around her first book, Purchased, quite brief. If you would like to know more about Deanna's journey, and her experience of entering and being groomed into the sex industry from a young age, and most importantly, her journey out of the industry, I highly recommend that you grab a copy of her book, Purchased, to learn more about this particular part of her journey. I hope you enjoy today's episode and that you're as inspired as I am by today's author of Impact. Welcome to the show, Deanna. Thank you for having me. So great to have you here. Um, As we were sort of talking about off air, you and I have been friends for a couple of years now, but this is actually the first time that we have talked um, kind of solo, one-on-one in person, virtually still, but uh, one-on-one, which is pretty amazing. I'm so 
I'm so excited to be able to introduce you to my listeners as well and learn more about your story. And yeah, just thank you again for joining the show. Can you start by maybe just sharing a little bit about about your story, about um, what your childhood was like and, and what it set you up for and, and where that led you in life? I think the simplest way to put it would be that I grew up with a a lot of dysfunction. Um, Our values were in the wrong place. And so from a very early age, I learned um, very uh, skewed versions of identity and self-worth and and what life was about and all of that. And I think, you know, one of the the main things that stands out in my story is just being introduced to pornography so young and um, being introduced to it by my mother. It wasn't something I happened upon or, or just found somewhere, you know, it was something that like she actively showed me and, um, and she, and she found it so funny how I would react to these extreme things that she, she would do. Um, in, in some of her alcoholic and, and codependent behavior. And so uh, losing her at 10 years old uh, as a little girl, I had already had an image in my mind of what women were supposed to be like just from the conversations we'd had, um, the way she interacted with uh, the person whom I call my dad and, um, and the things that she would show me. And so by the time I was a teenager with no mother around, I've, I just went to the world to see, you know, what it is that that they wanted from me. And it seemed like um, those messages that I was getting was very consistent with what she had showed me and how she had portrayed herself to get um, what she felt uh, was the validation that she needed in life. One of the ways. She was also a very hard worker and um, she had a lot of really great qualities about her as well. But sometimes even good things can become extreme things and, and then end mm. up being a little bit hurtful. Yeah. And you talked about this a lot in your first book, which we'll dive into in more depth um, a little bit later as well. Um, but for those who are sort of listening along, you shared quite intimately about this part of your life, about your childhood and then your adulthood, um, not only in your first book, but in um, one of the books in my book series, Reasons to Live. And you talked about, as you said, how devastating those effects were of being exposed at such a young age to pornography and exploitation material. And I think, you know, a lot of people even today still don't realise how damaging that effect is on the brains of developing children. And I, I, you know, I love that you're in a place now where you're able to have so much grace for that young girl Mm. and the decisions that she made from there. Because, you know, you were only a child. And mm-hmm. as children, you know, we, we act out what we see and what we're shown. And so as you shared, you know, in your book, that led you eventually through a series of, you know, uh, a, a very varied series of events over the next few years, it really did lead you into the sex industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you found yourself in this world that where you felt that you were getting all this validation and all the things that you hadn't had as a young child. Mm. Can you talk a bit about what your sort of initial perceptions were of the sex industry when you first joined, Mm -hmm. um, or or I should say, sorry, when you were groomed into that industry, when you first entered? Can you talk a bit about what your perceptions were of that industry versus the reality that you came to know um, 
you know, after, after more than a decade in that industry? Yeah. Uh, so I can, I can speak to that from a few different facets of the sex industry, because as a high schooler working at a restaurant that exploits women and calls it a fun and family friendly restaurant, um, that was the same restaurant where I picked up prostitution from the other girls who, um, they didn't call it prostitution. They called it sugar daddies, but, um, it, it was the same thing. Um, and from there was led to my pimp who ended up grooming me for, for the porn industry. But, um, I think, you know, one of the things that stands out most to me is just that, um, our world has different ways of selling sex. And so as a teenager, it was, I was shown that the, that this was an acceptable way of selling sex and this wasn't an acceptable way of selling sex. And, you know, we have all these, um, I hope I don't go too far off, but we have all these, um, outrage against legalizing prostitution when I worked in the porn industry for 10 years and there, like, there wasn't much difference between working in the porn industry and being a prostitute at a hotel. Um, so my perception of going into the porn industry was I could stay in this hotel where my pimp's standing outside or in his car with a gun and a half, every half an hour, a stranger's coming to my room and I don't really know what's going to happen to me or if anybody's going to find me. Or I can go into the legalized prostitution industry um, where there's witnesses and some regulations. And while the violence and stuff is still the same, it, it gave me some sort of sense of control of, of where I was going to go or what was going to happen to me versus somebody who a complete stranger coming in. And I'm not I don't know what they're going to expect. And so those were kind of some of the perceptions that I came in with. That's, it's very true. And that's why I think it's so important for people to hear your story and those two sides. And, you know, you talk about this really in depth in the book about how, you know, you, you thought that it was going to be this really glamorous, you know, amazing sort of uh, experience that where you got fame and fortune mm-hmm. and all the validation you'd missed out on. And yeah. then realizing that there was very little difference between, um, you know, selling sex in that um, environment versus going into the the porn industry, which is what uh, ended up happening, and what you talk about in Purchased, which is your first book. Obviously, there's a lot that happened during those years, and we you know, we won't go too into depth in that. I recommend that if anybody wants to know more about uh, that part of Deanna's journey, that you actually read Purchased and read about it, because um, there's obviously a lot of nuance and a lot of detail, and that we can't really do justice to in in this length of a podcast. However, um, after many, many years uh, in that industry, obviously a lot of trauma suffered. Uh, you found the courage to leave and you found the support system to leave, which is often very lacking for right. women or people in the sex industry. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, once you'd made that step to leave and you went into this great program, which is from um, uh, an organisation called Refuge for Women, which helped you to get back on your feet. What was it that made you start thinking about actually writing a book Hmm. because I can imagine for a long time you would have just been dealing with basically you would have still been in survival mode. So Hmm. I'm really curious about how long it was after leaving the industry that you started to really think seriously about writing a book and then how that actually came, uh, came to fruition as well. 
Um, I probably started seriously thinking about writing a book uh, shortly after leaving the program. And of course, you know, most of us who leave a program after 12 months of having freedom, safety, security, acceptance, uh, love and value, we just want to share it with the world and, and we just want to help everyone that comes across our path. But um, it probably took about seven years to really discover um what the message was um, and, and how I was communicating that message. Because even still, after having a year of healing, there's still a lot of stuff that's very fresh and a lot of detail that maybe not every reader needs to hear or that would be beneficial. Um, but my my reason for writing it uh, was, was twofold. One, most of us that went through a program read a book similar to mine and um, of a different facet of the sex industry. And most of us go in with one question, does she make it out? And I just wanted the, the women coming through the program to have a tangible story of someone who went through that program, who was maybe from a different side of the sex industry and uh, could see how dark that life got and how, how there is still hope no matter how far you have gone in that direction. And so I did want them to have some of those details so that they could they could relate and say, okay, if she's experienced that and her life looks like this now, maybe there's hope for me. Um, but the second reason that I really wanted to write this book was because, you know, of the word choice. Um, you know, I remember running a 5k and, uh, there was a human trafficking ministry there and, um, and they had said, well, we help people who need help, you know, who aren't there by choice. And, and so I feel like a lot of people, um, I either get placed in this category of a victim of human trafficking or, uh, someone who is in pornography because she chose to be there. And I think there's like this middle ground of, okay, when, when someone's selling sex for a living, what, what does their life look like that says like, this looks like a good option for me? Or, you know, what, how is she feeling about herself and how she relates to the world and, and some of those messages, um, because to just say that I chose to be there can be a little misleading, even though, yes, I did make the decision, but where were those decisions derived from? And so I wanted to give people an opportunity to get into what it looks like um, from a child to be exposed to such messages and to have those really shape your belief systems about who you are and what the world expects of you. And then um, after you've been demoralized and be dehumanized so much already as a child, um, that was abused in various ways, uh, who was told awful messages to then going into relationships that perpetuated the same type of things. Um, it, it's really hard to get out of a situation like that. So of course, you know, going into an industry where this, this is where maybe you felt like you were somebody, even though they were taking more from you. Um, would seem like a good option. So I wanted people to to look at that a little bit more than just, oh, she's choosing to be there. Let's either just throw our money at her um, or um, or just judge her. Mm, thank you for ex explaining that in a bit more detail. Um, I think that's why, you know, that's one of the many reasons why books are so, so valuable as a vehicle for creating social change and for mm. understanding because you have this long form, you know, text where you're able to give a lot more um, detail and context about, like you said, you know, choice and the, deci the decisions we make. 
And for a lot of people, you know, they do look at women uh, or people in the industry in those two very black and white ways. It's either um, she's a victim, she must be a victim of human trafficking, therefore I feel sorry for her and, you know, it's not her fault. And then there's the other side where people will look at those who are in the industry and go, oh, well, they chose to be there, so I'm not going to feel sorry for them. Um, whereas your story gives so much more of, of what actually happens in between and what leads so many women in particular into the industry um, where they do feel that they're making an informed choice, but really mm. <clears throat> those choices are being made from a lack of viable choice <laughs> or a lack of other viable options or because of um, sustained trauma, such as with your story and what you went through as a young girl. So yeah, your book is incredibly powerful for breaking down some of those barriers that, that readers might have or those attitudes that people might have. Mm. Now, that was obviously your first book and you've gone on to write a second book since yeah. then called Integrated, which I want to talk yeah. a little bit more about. Um, but one thing I did want to ask first was how did you actually move past the the fear and the shame that often comes with sharing about such vulnerable things mm. and about you know sexual assault and sexual trauma and all those sorts of things because for a lot of my clients out there and a lot of my audience they have uh, their stories may be very different in a lot of ways to yours mm. but most of them have experienced some form of um, abuse and trauma and one of the main things that holds them back from telling their story is um, this fear about what will others say? You know, what will my family say? What will people think if I share about those things? So I wondered if you could just first share with us, how did you move past that fear about what other people will think in order to write your first book in particular? Well, to me, I don't really think I had an option for fear because my life was public for 10 years. And so... We have in history the, my recorded most humiliating, demoralizing moments. Most of them have been recorded. Um, and so no matter where I go, unfortunately, that sort of thing follows me uh, in different ways. And so I, my option was I could tell people the whole truth or just leave them with, with that message. And, um, and so, I mean, and it's not to say that like, not like I didn't have to write a book because my, I think my life alone would speak, um, just if people encountered me and got to know me, um, just in, in, you know, the, the typical way. But, uh, if people were going to be, uh, exposed to what my life looked like before, then I wanted this to also be an option for those who wanted to see like who the real Deanna is and, um, and get the whole picture and maybe create more of an understanding of this fantasy that they're seeing behind the camera. Mm. It's really interesting because, um, for someone who's been through what you have, a lot of people would think, oh, how, how could she ever find the courage to talk about this? You know, like there must be so much shame wrapped up around that. So I find it really interesting how you were able to, I'm sure you still had a lot of those doubts, but as you said, look objectively at your life and say, well, everybody already knows a lot of uh, a lot of the things that I'm most ashamed of or that I wouldn't want the world to know. So what's really holding me back from sharing something that's actually going to be a vehicle of hope and help a lot more people? Um, so I thank you for sharing that because I think that will will help a lot of 
aspiring authors out there who are in your um, position or have had a similar journey to yourself. Mm-hmm. And with your second book, Integrated, um, which I really, really loved reading, I, I love this book, um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about, uh, I guess, getting a bit bit more into depth about the way that you actually wrote this book. So your first book was, you know, memoir, talking about your story and your journey. This book, it's still memoir, but you have a lot of, um, I guess, actionable tips, support and resources in here. Mm-hmm. And the way that you've also formatted the book is really, um, really beautiful. So it's broken into individual chapters. Uh, you know, for anybody who wants to go and read Integrated, you'll see that it's broken into individual chapters that are kind of themed around, I guess, the the journey from, you know, beginning your healing journey through to actually healing and creating a family. And so those key moments that happened in between, you know, all the chapters are written around things that you sort of had to learn throughout your healing journey. Um, can you talk a little bit about how this book came together and whether you worked with anyone as well to to help you really work out how to write it in this intentional kind of way. Yes. So my first book, I had invited somebody in to help me uh, kind of ghostwrite some of the scenes because I was really good at, here's what happened. Um, but I couldn't, I still wasn't really connecting with how I was feeling or how to communicate that. And and she would go in and she would take like a scene and... Um, and she would communicate it in a way where I could almost feel it all over again, not in a bad way, but in a way that I connected with myself. And so this time I invited her back um, to be with me in the whole process. And her name was Christina. And it was somebody that I had met at seminary. And, you know, she just felt called to tell people's stories. And she usually does that through song, through songwriting. Um, so I invited her in right away. But the how I came to write about the book was um, there, there's just a lot of material about what life looked like before, right? So there, there's a lot of material about, um, so I was in the industry and then I got out and we lived happily ever after. And I was in the industry and we got out and now, you know, I have this huge mission or this ministry and this and that. And there's a lot of people out there, one, who don't feel called to lead some huge movement. They just, they just want to be free. And they want to live that out. Um, And then there's also a lot of people that don't realize that they're free because things come up at different seasons and at different life changes. And they think, oh, I must still be broken. This must be me. And there's just a lot of things that we go through that is, is shared human experiences. And so I think one of the biggest healing points for me was learning, okay, what is a result of the trauma and, and, and I'm seeing things through those lenses. And what's just a normal part of maturing? And so my 10 years after Refuge, I wanted people to see what it looked like to spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally evolve into who I was becoming or who I already was, but just didn't know how to live into it yet. And so I bring people through that process so that they can relate to the everyday life experiences, because that's what I wanted to know. I wanted to know how to create healthy friendships. I wanted to know what dating looked like after I had seen what escorting looked like, like dating, goodness. Um, I wanted to know what a healthy marriage 
was going to look like if, you know, and not everybody's called to marriage and kids and family. Um, some of us just want to learn how to stay at a job and not quit every time, you know, somebody's rude to us, you know? Um, we need to learn how to grow in our tolerance of discomfort and, and realize, you know, when we're getting those fight and flight signals and, and when to stay and, and grow and when, you know, it's an actual safety issue because sometimes we think everything's a safety issue when we're first in our healing journey. Um, and so I really wanted to be vulnerable about what those processes looked like so that people could just live on this side of the industry. Yes. And it's a beautiful book. And I love how you talk about just, you know, bringing people into those everyday experiences that I guess a lot of us who have not walked the the path that you have and the journey you have, a lot of us take these for granted. Um, I mean, one of the chapters that I briefly mentioned before was, is called Befriending Women. And mm. you talk about, you know, how, how, much work it actually took to to learn how to actually have beautiful and healthy friendships with other women. Um, and there was a scene where you talk about um, making, uh, there was a, a woman who you'd befriended and I can't quite remember where you met her, sorry, but mm-hmm. she invited you over to her house to have dinner mm-hmm. and you talk about how you, you really got in your head and you were wondering oh, I don't know like what the right thing is to say at dinner. I don't know <laughs> what the right thing is to say when I want to leave. And mm-hmm. I think they were putting the kids to bed at that time and you sort of just felt a bit awkward <laughs> and just went, bye, and just kind of <laughs> ran out the door. Yeah. And, I mean, it, there's this beautiful moments of humour as well where people can kind of have a little bit of a giggle. But I just thought, wow, what a brave thing to share. You know, that's so brave <laughs> of you to talk about you know, like times that you did things where people would have gone, that's so, like, why are you behaving in this way? Why couldn't you just say (laughs) goodbye to us in a normal way? Why did you just run out the door? But it it does give that in-depth look into what it's like for a lot of women who've left the industry and have to learn Mm -hmm. just how to live in the world and create um, relationships in you know, whether it's friendships or intimate relationships and what that looks like. Um, and there was another scene as well where you talked about what it was like to share with your now husband's um, family for the first time about mm. your journey. And I thought that was incredibly brave too. Mm. Um, and one thing I did want to ask you was, again, how did you find the courage to write about those awkward moments or those difficult moments when they involve family? Because with yeah. your first book, obviously, a lot of those people that you're writing about aren't in your circle anymore. But what was it like to write this book where you you did have to talk about awkward family conversations with your in-laws and and friendships and those sorts of things? Yeah, that that is so hard because um, you know, family's so important to me and I've wanted a family for so long and you know, the gift of inclusion is is really important. So the last thing I wanted to do is alienate people. Um, but I I also had to really weigh in, you know, like some of our worst fears I lived through. Like, like one of our worst fears is what are people, how are people going to react when they find out? It's one thing to share your testimony on a public level. It's another thing when you're actually wanting to be accepted by people whom you're hoping may, may come alongside you and love you the rest of your life. And, and so 
I wanted to be able to tell people like, hey, my worst fears came true. Like, like not everybody was accepting of my story. And it, it I wasn't like everybody's first choice for for who would be in the family or or how our life laid out um, and all of that. And so what does that look like? Um, but I also wanted them to see the other side of you know, when somebody responds that way, like, it's not just about us, you know, there, there's a lot of like dreams that they have to grieve. And, um, and what does this mean for the family? And, and, uh, you know, like, especially if they're from a small town, and everybody like, like, they're having to carry the weight of my story to a certain extent, and I'm not the one who lives there, you know. And, um, so I wanted people to see that, like, even though the response wasn't um, what I had hoped, you know, it and and like was kind of part of my my worst nightmares of you know of my story being something that alienates me. I was still able to see like what his family had to offer and like you know like their good values and and all these things that I could learn from them if only. Um, if only they would get to know me and and for me as somebody who shares publicly about a good portion of my life um i had to learn that that these relationships are going to take time you know they're like not everybody's just going to take me at my word and be like oh here's this woman who's been radically transformed and is out to do really good things in this world like they're going to need to see over time and consistent, authentic behavior that maybe I am somebody that could contribute to the family and the, the family name and all of that. It's it's such a huge thing. And I just think you handled that situation and wrote about it with such grace. Because I so. <laughs> when I was reading it, I thought, my gosh, you know, we all know how difficult it is when you meet the family of your partner <laughs> or you meet your in-laws for the first time. And having to share, you know, the, the really raw and vulnerable parts of your journey that you did with them was a really huge thing. And to then not get the response that you really were hoping for is difficult as well. But I love that you were able to still, uh, I guess, honour that feeling within you of, of being disappointed, but then look to what you could learn from Matt's family and the good values and the the beautiful parts of their relationship that had obviously made Matt the, the um, you know, beautiful human that he is and the strong, yeah. um, resilient man that he is. Um, I guess one thing I wanted to ask you was because of the, you know, what that conversation was and people will learn that when they read through the book. Did you then talk with Matt's family when you were writing Integrated or did you choose to keep that to yourself? Um. I definitely didn't keep it to myself because I was very public about it. Um, so they knew I was writing a second book and, um, and it was really sweet because his mom was like, well, if she ends up doing book signings, you know, you can help leave the grandkids here. And that was, that was just like this new piece of accepting, uh, mm. acceptance of what my ministry was. Because, you know, when I first came into the picture, um, everybody probably felt it was best that I just keep it all under wraps and we just don't talk about it and let's just like live out this new life. And that just wasn't what I was called to do. And so I had to work against that. Um, so they, they definitely know that I wrote a book. I don't know who's reading it. Nobody's brought it up. I don't know if it ever will be brought up. Um, but they do seem supportive of my ministry and kind of like my family, like, 
my family that's in my book, they're, they're all transformed, matured people since, since when the scenes that I wrote in the book. Um, but none of us talk about it. Uh, because everybody has chosen to move forward in a different way and not everybody wants to move forward in the way that I do, which is by sharing it with others in case it might bring somebody else hope. And so I respect that about them and I'm willing to talk about it. Um, but I've learned not to force that on people. And, um, so yeah, they, they know that I wrote a book. I'm not sure how much, um, how much they've read or, or known about it. But I mean, they've seen that I've posted interviews and stuff like that, and, but nobody's really approached me. And I think that's okay to, you know, be able to distinguish that in your mind and say, I want to talk about this because it's important to me, but it's mm-hmm. not necessarily going to be important um, on the same level to everybody else. And that's right. okay. Um, it's hard as humans because we want that validation and we want everyone to get our our story and understand why we're doing this. Yeah. And on some level I've had that as well. You know, my journey is very different to yours, but talking out about sexual uh, trauma that I experienced, um, you know, in my late teens and, and talking about family abuse and the death of my dad when I was 18, those things are all still very difficult to talk about. And like yourself, I had to make that decision to, you know, decide, am I, <laughs> is it more important to me to speak out about this so I can give hope to somebody who really needs it? Um, or is it more important to just, like you said, keep it under wraps so that everyone else is happy and I don't make anyone feel uncomfortable? Mm. And that's a really important question that every author or aspiring author has to sit with. Um, yeah. But I'm really glad that you made that decision to you know, continue speaking out and, and continue on with the ministry that you, you know, that is so important to you because this, both of your books are so incredibly important for people to read. But I feel that Integrated in particular is really valuable because it gives a lot of those tools that people need for healing um, mm-hmm. and not just those who have been, you know, in the sex industry, but anyone who's sustained, sustained um, long-term trauma and has mm. difficulty with creating um, healthy friendships or intimate relationships mm. and just living in the world as a as a free and healed person. Um, mm. So thank you for, you know, honouring uh, that, that mission and that driving force within you because mm. I know that, you know, both these mm. books have um, led to incredible healing and hope for a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did want to... Now, um, with... Sorry, I'll let you continue. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I did want to mention uh, one thing that I learned with, with the sharing of my story. And I, I may have touched on this a little bit with Integrated, but it's just amazing. The things that we think are big deals just aren't like what's important to other people, right? So here I am concerned about my story and um, and how this is going to affect like how they view me. And, um, really what was most important to Matt, to Matt's family was how is the dynamic going to change? And I think no matter 
who somebody is getting married to, like, that's going to be the question is, how is our family dynamic going to change? You know, because you're talking about a close family who lives in close proximity and, um, you know, cultures are different, experiences are different. Um, our, like his values were starting to, to differ a little bit. Um, and he was like really coming into, um, a little bit different of a person than who he was the first 18 years of his life. And, uh, so I think it's important for us to remember that, you know, we think of our story as like this big thing that's like hovering over us. And, um, and it just really wasn't like, that was like one thing. But what they wanted to see is, is who the whole person is that he's going to be marrying and, and how this whole family is going to come together and move forward and what that's going to look like. Mm, absolutely. And there are so many, um, so many important messages in this book. And I really, really encourage people to go out and purchase both of them, um, grab Purchased, which is the first book, and then Integrated, which is the second one. Um, I have two more really important questions I'd love to ask you because I know that we're running out of time. Um, now, you self-published both of these books and self-publishing, again, is another thing that often holds people back because they have all these ideas that, oh, if I self-publish, then you know it means that I've failed and it's not really worth doing unless it's traditionally published. I was wondering if you could share about what the self-publishing process was like for you and, you know, particularly if there was any, you know, if there was a certain tip maybe that helped you with um, your journey of successfully self-publishing that would be really helpful for somebody else to, to hear so that they, you know, they too can get their books out there and hopefully with, you know, least amount of stress possible. Now, was it a fairly easygoing process for you or...? did you need a lot of help with going down this path? Well, I think with anything in my life, it, it's it's been a community effort. And so like, who are the people that are rallying beside me to help share this message? And I think one of the most important things that I had in my life was um, just a few people who read each chapter as I went and encouraged me to keep going. Um, I couldn't commit to writing a whole book, but I made an outline of like significant things that I wanted to talk about. And then I just sat for one hour a day and I wrote just on that one thing. And then I shared it with a, just a, a couple people who encouraged me, who, um, who maybe asked questions that I didn't think about um, and then helped me to keep going. And then the next day I would write just on whatever the next topic was. And so I really appreciated that because it was a team thing. Um, other people are going to see things or tell me about things that they don't understand, you know, like language I use from people who weren't on the street, weren't around gang behavior, weren't doing drugs or weren't in the porn industry. Like they're not going to know some of the things that I'm talking about that I think like, you know, just rolls off the tongue easily for me. Um, so that support is really vital. Um, the self-publishing, I mean, I had a professional editor um, and I, I just don't know that you could ever get enough editing, <laughs> you know, um, there's just always something. And I just had to let go of that um, because I wanted people to see the message and not my academic skills. Um, I didn't feel like a failure because... You know, um, like I really like being able to have my books on Amazon and they send me the check and they do all the currency exchanges and yep. they, they just handle everything. Um, and I mean, it would be fun to go like a traditional publishing route, but my story just was a, 
the the people that I had been working with as far as publishing goes, um, I just didn't know how they were going to communicate my story because you've got mm. one genre of people who would glamorize things that I didn't want glamorized. And then I'd have another group of people who would tone down things that would really take away from um, the credibility that my story was communicating as far as, as what I had been through. And mm-hmm. uh, so I really appreciated being able to have um, have people speak into that, but also be able to write my own story. Well, you make a really good point there because, I mean, a lot of people do think, oh, traditional publishing deal, that's what I need to go for. That's what's going to be the best option. But at the same time, I mean, we, we all know, and anyone who's listened to other episodes of this podcast will have heard me speak about how, um, you know, traditional publishing is is not all that it's cracked up to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it takes a lot longer to get your book out into the world and get that message out into the world. You know, typically 18 months instead of, mm-hmm. you know, you can put your book out anywhere in, you know, a couple of weeks to easily three months if you're going through a self-publishing house. Um, but it's really important to work with someone who gets you and who gets your story and who's not going to sensationalize it. Yes. Um, I know you and I are both very big on that about not sensationalizing really sensitive stories like this. And so I think it's really great that you did pick someone who you knew was going to be, um, who you could trust with your story. And, you know, that happened to be the self-publishing route and that's fine. Uh, And I think it's also a great point that you made about sometimes we just need to do what, you know, sometimes the best choice is what's going to be easiest and most stress-free for us. And sometimes that's having the book on Amazon and then not, you know, they send you the check, as you said, or they send, they transfer you the money. You don't have to sit there and, and post every book out yourself. And so there are a lot of um, great, you know, things that come with self-publishing that are actually worth exploring. So I think, you know, and your book's beautiful. I mean, if anybody's watching the video here, you know, the quality, the cover is beautiful. So self-publishing is certainly not a failure, as some um, mm-hmm. some people think it is. Um, but one final question I'd love to ask you is, are there any tips that you can give to other first-time authors about how mm-hmm. they can navigate this process, um, you know, either a bit more smoothly or maybe there's someone who's gone through you know, a lot of trauma such as yourself and they have a lot of fear around their story, what's one tip that you could give them that will help them go from that initial idea to actually having their book out into the world um, and creating that change that they want to create? Uh, I heard this at a, a really wonderful conference for um, communities that are advocating or rallying against human trafficking and really um, for human flourishing. And they had said that they are starting to train women in not telling their story, but giving their message. And, and I think that's so important because, um, a lot of times we just, we want to get our story out there and it's like, well, what's the message we're communicating? Uh, because I found in, in a lot of times speaking that people are more attracted to the trauma and the drama, um, than they are to the message. And so I have to be really careful about, you know, like what, what the purpose is when somebody is asking to speak or, or read my story. <coughs> so my tip would be just really thinking about what, what is the message that you want to communicate and how does your story, um, like what parts of your story communicates that message? 
Um, I think that's, that's really important. And then, like I said, just having a couple friends who can come alongside you and tell you the truth about, you know, certain experiences, because we might not be able to see the experiences as they were. And so it's, it's really important that people can help you see the whole of the other people that are in your story as well. And like I said, just cheer you on the whole way and, um, and don't tackle it. That's a lot of tips, but I already said it, just don't tackle it all at once. Just, you know, an hour a day, can you just do some writing for an hour a day on the topic that you choose and then set it aside and go to the next one. And then the person who edits it will help you to flesh more of it out or ghostwrite it. Um, they will help you to, to do all of that. Absolutely. That's such a good tip. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and especially talking about tackling it that, you know, a little bit at a time, even if it's only 30 minutes at a time, or if you can get an hour done. I mean, there's, there, you're a busy mom, so you're certainly not sitting there writing for three hours a day. So I think <laughs> yeah. that that tip is very helpful and very inspiring to anyone who's listening and goes, oh my goodness, how how do you get from, you know, those first couple of words to that completed book? Um, mm-hmm. And what you said also about what is the message that that is absolutely key. So thank you for touching mm-hmm. on that. Uh, it's the major thing that I go through with every client before we start their book is really, really getting clear on what is the message because everybody has a story. Everyone can tell a story that's you know helpful in some way, but what's the message? Because that's what's really going to drive that, that story in the book. It's what's going to mm-hmm. create that connection with the reader. And as you said, you know, we want to focus on helping people, not just on all the <clears throat> sensational or gory details. Right. So thank you for sharing that. Um, so, I mean, it's been, there's just so many more questions that I could ask you. We could obviously talk about this for hours, um, but thank you so much for sharing about these, these tips around writing and about being so raw and real about your journey and your book writing journey as well. Um, for anybody out there who really wants to connect further with you and learn more about your work as a speaker and an author, where's the best place for them to find you? Oh, um, I'm actually not really active on, I haven't been active on social media for like a year, but, um, but any podcast or interviews I do do, I will post on Instagram at purchased for good, the number four, um, or they can connect with me directly at purchased for good at gmail.com. And I really love to, to connect with people and, um, point them to whatever's next in their life. Well, thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Thank you for sharing with us today and wishing you a beautiful rest of the week. Hey there, Changemaker. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you're feeling ready to take the next step in your author journey. As always, I'd love for you to hit the subscribe notification so that you can be the first to know when new episodes drop. And of course, if you're feeling ready to take the next step with your own writing and publishing journey and you're looking for one-on-one support, I would love for you to reach out to me at jazzrollinson.com slash bookcoaching. Until next time, keep writing, keep creating impact. And remember, there is always someone out there waiting for a story just like yours.